0: Honored to have you here today my name is Chris I'm one of the teachers and uh, just thrilled to be here with you today uh, really looking forward to starting this new series uh, we're gonna be talking about sin and so before you get up and leave uh, we're gonna we're gonna do that here together today and, and listen when when it comes to sin what comes to your mind that word sin Right, is it this thing that that is just breaking God's rules or doing things that kind of go against God's way, which is true, yes, but but what is it to you? You know, I think when it comes to uh, the idea or the word sin, it it becomes a little bit blurry, right? It's this uh, kind of twisted word that our culture has really said that if you are happy in life, you can do whatever you want to do. Right, you deserve to live however you want to live. And so culture has kind of minimized what sin really is, right, it's kind of this uh, this thing that's out there and it's this kind of religious word. But what I want us to see and what we're going to see in this series is that sin is a really, really big deal. Sin is a, a very, very big deal. You see, when God created everything, He created it perfectly. And from the very beginning, because of sin, sin destroyed everything. A perfect world, perfect relationships, everything perfect, sin destroyed those things. And so when we, when we talk about this word, or when we look at this word against what culture says, we will dig into the word of God and we will see that our sin not only destroys us uh, spiritually, but it also can destroy us physically. It can destroy relationships, it can destroy marriages, right, it can harm ourselves personally, it can harm other people, and so sin is a really, really big deal. Now, uh, hear me out here, I don't want us to think that the goal of this series is to beat ourselves up because of sin, right, the Bible says we've all sinned, we all fall short of the glory of God, but really the hope in this series is that we would see that despite our sin, despite our going our own way, really sin defined is there's God's standard and us kind of going our own way, despite the things that we may have done or uh, how egregious those sins are, we still have a God who loves us and who wants to restore us and redeem us so that we can be in relationship with him. And so what we're going to do over the next seven weeks is we're going to talk about these seven deadly sins, and we've got them up on the screen here. Uh, Many of us have heard of this list before, right? We've heard of the seven deadly sins. And, And what we're going to be doing today is we're really going to be talking about this first sin, which is Pride. Now, what I want us to know is that this seven, list of seven isn't an exhaustive list of sin, right? We know that there are other things besides these things, and we don't actually see this list altogether in Scripture. But what we do see is that the Bible talks about every single one of these sins in great detail, And so what we're going to do over the next seven weeks is we're going to take a look at what Scripture says about these sins and how we can overcome them if we're struggling with them in our lives. And so today, uh, without further ado, we're going to jump into pride now. Just full disclosure here, I think it's important that everyone knows this. Uh, Your campus pastor, Eric Siderud, and I, we battled, we fought back and forth for about a week to see who was the least self-righteous, prideful person to preach this sermon. And so here, what you're seeing before you is a more humble man than Eric. (laughs) That sounded very prideful, because it was, and it was just a joke. But but what we're gonna do, really, in all seriousness, I, I think about pride in my own life. And what I would want us to do in this series is for every single one of us to think about how these impact our life. And I think about how pride has impacted my life. I think, uh, you know, how it's impacted my marriage, (laughs) you know, with being very prideful in my marriage, my way or the highway, right? Uh, Without, you know, being willing to apologize, even when I'm wrong, that's a very prideful thing. How I've interacted with my kids and and how it's impacted many of my relationships. Pride is a, a very, very real thing. And I think for most of us, we can say that in some way, shape, or form, this sin of pride has impacted us in some way, right? I I think really when we look at the sin of pride, it really is kind of a central sin. What I would say is pride is central in really every single one of these sins. I mean, when we look at this idea of pride, pride is a very self-focused self-righteous, inward type of sin. And so it really impacts every single one of these, right? Pride says, I deserve more. I deserve more money, right? I work hard. I deserve more money. Uh, You know, pride says that I deserve more food (laughs) at Thanksgiving time, right? Come back around Thanksgiving. We're going to talk about gluttony. That's going to be a really fun one. (laughs) Pride says, you know, I deserve to be angry at so-and-so because of how they've me. You know, I actually deserve what so-and-so has because I'm better than them, right? You see how this is all self-focused, and so every single one of these is impacted by pride. One of uh, my favorite theologians, Charles Spurgeon, he says this about pride. He says, pride has been described as an all-pervading sin. This idea of pride is something that impacts every fiber of our being you know I think that's the way that we were created a little bit from the very beginning when we decided to go our own way that was an instant form of pride and we can see that for many many years thereafter pride has impact, has impacted us ever since and so today what we're going to do I believe the Bible has a lot to say about pride and we're going to look at that today before we get started would you pray with me Uh, Lord Jesus, I ask that you would do what only you can do through the power of your Holy Spirit. God, would you touch the lives of those of us, if not all of us, who have been impacted by this in some way, shape, or form, or God, even those of us who are struggling with this very thing today. Lord, would you, through your word, uh, through your Holy Scripture, God, would you impact our hearts, would it become living and active, would it penetrate our deepest thoughts, desires, and God, would you correct us? as needed through your word. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen, amen. Okay, if you got uh, notes, if you're taking notes with us, uh, we're gonna jump in, hey, before you do this, uh, again, this is a great time to jump into a small group or get into a mentoring conversation about these, uh, these next seven sermons. We believe that uh, church is more than just 30 minutes, a 30-minute message, so we hope that you would take this and dig deeper with those who are in your life. First, first point today is this, is that pride, Pride really is a a false pathway to self-worth. When we think of this, this thing, pride, pride is a false pathway to self-worth. Really, what we're going to see in the next seven weeks is that each one of these seven sins really promise us something that it really isn't. And so, what we're going to see in pride, it's a false pathway to to self-worth. And what we do is we make it something we try to build on the basis of our own goodness. You know, I think many of us have this intrinsic desire to be valued, right? We we have this desire for people to like us or to look at us and to say, hey, they've got it all together. And when it comes to this idea of pride, it's really kind of all about me. And isn't it in our culture today... We live in this society, this culture that says, hey, look at me, right? We, we, we live in a social media culture. You guys know what I'm talking about. Anybody know this thing called Facebook or Instagram? Anybody know that? Everyone should hopefully raise their hands. If not, you've been in a rock for some time under a rock. But, but we live in this, this culture, this society that says, look at me. Look at what I'm doing, look at the vacations, look at the home, look at my kids, look at this. And it's the, the selfie culture, like the up close and personal. Now we have filters on our pictures, right? Look, look at how perfect I look and all of these things. And so it's this, this pride-centered, look at what I'm doing, look at how valuable I am to the world. And even... The negative things about us somehow are attention grabbers, right? Look at what happened. It could be a negative post, and, and look what's going on in my life, or woe is me, right? This is this culture that we've said that it's all about us, a very prideful, self-focused, self-centered culture. And I think, sadly, if we were to really kind of unveil or pull back the layers a little bit, we would see that many of us aren't really that happy at all. And so what we're doing is we're, we're trying to gain attention, self-worth, self-value, look at the goodness that I have, and, and here's what I want us to see. It's not that self-worth is a bad thing. <laughs> it's not that that is a bad thing at all. It's not that our kids and vacations and homes and cars are a bad thing, but when we be make them all about those things and we miss out on the one thing, which is the God who created those things, who gave us those things, who's blessed us with those things, we've missed it. We've missed the point. Now, finding value in these things, I think for a time, will, will give us that kind of value, but eventually it'll lead to destruction. Look what the Bible says in Proverbs 16:8. It says this. It says, pride goes before destruction. <laughs> pride goes before destruction. Our self-value, our self-worth, look at me, that goes before destruction. And this word haughtiness means to elevate. And so when I'm elevating myself, haughtiness before a fall. You know, again, again, I think about all of the ways that this has in, in impacted me in my life, you know, like, and, and how being self-focused and, and it's, I, I got to look out for me, I got to look out what's most important for me, how that really has impacted my relationship, not only with, with people, but also with God. And maybe you feel the same way. Now, I think it's easy for us to say, okay, well, pride, then it does impact our personal life, but did you know that pride can impact our religious life? as well you know if we're not careful religion and our faith can become a piece of pride or a focus of pride in our life Jesus himself he taught this and and the Bible says that when he taught this he he gave he gave this great illustration in Luke chapter 18 starting in verse nine it says then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else I love how he starts with that he says in verse 10 Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, a very religious person, a very religious man. And the other was a despised tax collector. And listen to what, it, what Jesus says in verse seven. It says, the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. Listen to what he prayed. I thank you, God, that I'm not like those other people. <laughs> God, those people Thank you that I'm not that person. Instead, this is who, I mean, those people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers, and I'm certainly not like that tax collector. says, I fast twice a week, and I give you a tenth of my income. You see, what Jesus is saying in this story is look at this guy who has pride at the center of his life a very religious man, a man who would have a relationship with God, and what he's doing is he's standing there and saying, look at how I pray, look at how much I give, look at all of those sinners over there, and they're terrible sinners, by the way. I don't do any of those things. Look at me, and do you see what he's doing? I, me, and he's elevating himself further and further and further above. The Bible says, well, shortly thereafter will come destruction. You know, religion gives us this, this, form of pride, this, this religious pride. You know, I, I uh, did my internship at a church in Houston, Texas. Anybody from Texas in here? Texas? Everything's bigger in Texas, even you guys. Uh, Texas, even religion is bigger in Texas, believe it or not. When I was there, so I, I, I'm from Utah, so there's a, a, a sense of relig- religion here in Utah. <laughs> and I went to Bible school in Minneapolis, and shortly thereafter, I went to uh, Houston, Texas. I was a young Christian, probably four years old and I was at this church and and I was so hungry and and passionate for God and for God's word and I just wanted to know more about him and I remember being in circumstances and situations where people who were in sin Instead of, uh, you know, these these people at the church restoring and helping and coming alongside of these people, what they would say is, look at those sinners. Can you believe that so-and-so is doing this? Can you believe that they're doing this in their life, right? There was no sense of mercy or grace or forgiveness, but instead it was like, whoa, look at those sinners. And I remember in my life being like, man, this is so completely contrary to who God is and who, what God's word says about him, I cannot even believe that religious people are doing this. But isn't it true, if we're honest, I know I'm honest, that I've done this before in my own life, looking at people in the church or in, re, or in religion and, and saying, man, I can't believe they're living in that sin. <laughs> like, we can have this sense of religious pride. You know, maybe you grew up in a, a faith where Everything had to be perfect. You grew up, uh, everything had to be perfect. You had to go to church a certain amount of time. You had to give a certain amount of money. You had to do everything right, right. It had to look good on the outside. But deep, deep down within, you knew that you were hurting. (laughs) But you couldn't talk about that hurt. You see, here's the thing. That's pride. That's pride. Where God says, listen, I want you to be free from that. Because here's the truth. Religion and faith, it isn't about us. It's about God. And that really leads us to Uh, Our second point, our second point is the opposite of pride, right? The opposite of pride is humility. The opposite of being a prideful, self-focused person is to be humble. And when we're humble, we begin to realize that there's nothing that we can do, right? We can be secure in our standing with God, the one who defeated sin, death, and the grave. And he did that on his righteousness and on his goodness, Alone. And so what we can do is we move away from this idea that it's about me, that this life is about me, that anything really is about me. Instead, it's all about God. You see, a tax collector at this time was despised. It's a despised job. I mean, it was a guy who would basically steal from you in, in the name of the law. And so no one really liked this person. And so he has this sense of self-worth. And I I want you to read uh, what Jesus says about this this man in in, in verse 13. As he's giving this, this analogy, he says, But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, a sign of mourning, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me for I am a sinner. Do we see the difference between these two men? We see one who is very self-righteous, who's very, look at me, look at what I'm doing, look at all of the religious accolades that I'm doing, all the money that I'm giving, and then we see this one who already had very little self-worth and self-value, and what he's saying is saying, there's nothing of value in me. God, would you forgive me? And listen to, to what Jesus says, because I think... You know, many of us come to this part of the, the, the story that Jesus is giving, we think, well, yeah, okay, so here's the thing. So yeah, this religious leader, even though he was saying some of those things, he really was a religious man. In fact, they were some of the most religious people. And so surely he was doing good things. He was living for God, and, and maybe he made a few mistakes here and there. And yeah, that tax collector, obviously, he wasn't living for, for God. He was just kind of doing his own thing, and he felt that way. So, like, the story is kind of justified, right? Well, listen to what Jesus says in in verse 14. He says, I tell you this, I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified. That word justified means innocent. He returned home justified before God. And this is for, for those of us who are prideful like me. It says, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be or exalted you know I I think this passage gives us a very clear understanding of one thing that it's all about Jesus you know there's nothing that we can do nothing good in us in fact the only the Bible says the good things in us even our greatest deeds are like filthy rags to a holy God and here's what I want us to see is that we need, when we are humble and we lay down our lives and we say, God, it's all about you and it's not about me. I've gone my own way. I'm ready to go your way. Maybe ready to go your way again. It says that when we do that, God gives us his freedom and grace and mercy as a free gift. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says this. Many of you have heard this passage. God saved you by his grace because you believed or when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. This is a gift from God friends it's a gift salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done so that none of us can boast about it you see there's nothing that we can do in our life to be good enough to be good enough for God the bible says the only thing that we can do is to be free from sin unfortunately because of sin entering the world all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God but he loves us so much so that he gave his son as a free gift for us a son who lived a perfect life the life that we couldn't live a life free of sin and and even right there should be enough but he took it a step further he went to the cross and he died for our sin he took the sin and the shame and the and the self-righteousness and pride and all of the sins that we're going to talk about in the series and he put it upon his shoulder and he died as a criminal a death that we deserved And he did that so that we could receive the free gift of eternal life as a gift so that none of us could boast. You see, the opposite of pride is is humbly saying, God, I've fallen short of that in in my life, and I'm ready to go your way. Sin's going my own way, I'm ready to go your way. The Bible says that when we do that, when we believe and confess that our sin separates us from God and we believe that God raised him to new life, we will be saved. That's as easy as it is. Not how good we are, nothing that we can do, it's all about what Jesus did for us. You know, I think humility is is this having a a realistic picture of who we really are. Humility is having a realistic understanding that, that we're really nothing in the grand scheme of things. God is everything. But here's what I want us to see, the the one who created heaven and earth also created you and me individually, wired our DNA perfectly. And so for those of us who might be living, wondering, you know, what's this all about? What's life all about? What's this world all about? The Bible says that you have intrinsic value in you, breathed into you by the one who created heaven and earth, the living God. And so would you come to understanding that pride, that yourself, that your focus on you and me have got in the way? And would we just say, God, I want to lay my life down at your feet? And the Bible says that when we do that, we will then be forgiven and can move into a right relationship with God. So let's end with this today uh, really, the, the, the final point. The antidote to pride is not self hatred. Listen, I don't want anybody to say I, I shouldn't care about myself. <laughs> You should care about yourself, again, you are fearfully, we are fearfully and wonderfully made by the one who created heaven and earth. And so right there alone, created in the image of God, shows that we have extreme value. And so this isn't to say that we shouldn't value ourselves or that we shouldn't you know, care or care about ourselves. No, what this means is that we should live into a, a model or an understanding of self-sacrifice. And the way that we do that, I think one of the best ways that we do that is we look outward. We look outside of ourselves for someone else to serve. And you know, I think the goal uh, really in my life and, and hopefully would be the goal of our church, you know, for those of us here that, that in order to overcome pride or, you know, all about me mentality is that we would then step out to make it about others. You see... Jesus, God said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, but Jesus said something even more than that. He said, love the Lord your God with everything you have, but then he says something even more powerful. He says, love others as yourself. You know, we do the, we love ourselves part really well, don't we, (laughs) don't we? We do that part very, very well, and sometimes we struggle with the loving others part, and so how, how do we do this? Like, how do we do this? How do we learn to put myself second, to put my wife and my children above me, to sometimes put coworkers above me, uh, to put my enemies above me? Like, how do I do those things? Well, the way that we do that is number one, to say, God, I'm sorry that I've made it all about me. God, I wanna be more like you. And then we learn from Jesus himself. We learn how he did these things in John 13. Even though Jesus was fully God, Emmanuel, God with us, he left the comfort of heaven being worshiped and elevated by the angels of heaven. says that he came down, he stepped into this earth, the earth that we know of, that's full of sin. Even he, had the right to be proud, to be prideful. But listen, Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and and that he had come from God and would return to God. Those are all really, really powerful things. That's saying that Jesus is fully God. It says in verse four, so what he did, and that, that word so is a transition word. It's a very important word. It says so, after knowing who he was, so he got up from the table, he took off his robe, He wrapped a towel around his waist, he poured water into a basin, then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he had around him. You see, Jesus, the only person who should be proud, who has the value, who has the worth to be a proud person, to have a pride-centered heart, the Bible says instead what he did is he modeled the attribute of God which is humility, and he got down and he washed his disciples' feet. That role in that culture was a very looked-down-upon role. I mean, we're talking, these guys are hanging out in Tevas, like sandals, walking around everywhere. There's dirt and nastiness and sewage. Like, it's not a fun job to have. And you see, Jesus, what he did is he took that as a lowly servant and he began to wash his disciples' feet. I can't even begin to imagine what I might have done in that. And even even so much so, he also knew that Judas would deny him, but he still washed his feet. How can we learn from Jesus and practically do this in our life? Well, let's give you the the church answer. I I think that you can learn to serve. Serve other people. We have many, many different areas to serve in our church. Kids' church, you know, Believe in the Next Generation, Student Ministries, Infusion. Those are gonna be the next world changers. Maybe, maybe it's there. Maybe it's as simple as doing coffee or the clean team or whatever it might be. Maybe it's mentoring someone else, saying, listen, that my faith isn't just all about me. In fact, Jesus said, go and make disciples. And so in order to fulfill what Jesus has said, would I go out and tell somebody else about Jesus and help them pursue God? Maybe it's as simple as joining a small group or leading a small group, whatever it might be. It's learning to give your time, treasure, and talent to love someone else, that's that's the church answer. But what about personally? Well, I think for me, it's learning how to put other people first. Maybe it's in your marriage. You've made it all about you. It's time to put your spouse ahead of you. Maybe it's in a relationship. Maybe it's someone at work, whatever it might be. Maybe Maybe it's asking for forgiveness because you did something wrong and it's time to lay down your pride. Whatever it might be in your life, there are so many ways that we can model what Jesus did. You know, uh, we're going to end today with communion. And, and uh, the way I want to preface going into communion, there's something so powerful about this, but that, that even God himself, the one who created heaven and earth, even he himself demonstrated sacrifice. Even he himself demonstrated humility and giving something precious when he gave his one and only son, Jesus Christ. You know, he, he gave his son so that we could be in relationship with him. And there's just something so powerful that, that God himself wasn't exempt from being humble. God himself wasn't exempt from being self-sacrificial. Well, he, he was exempt, but he chose to do something different. And you see, we too can choose to do something different. Friends, if you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, you have the opportunity to be forgiven of all of your sins. All we have to do is say, yes, Lord. Because of what Jesus did, because he lived that life, a perfect life, died a death that we deserve, and rose to new life, the Bible says that if we believe that, we can receive his righteousness. All of our sins can be forgiven, past, present, and even future, if we put our faith in Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you aren't a God who is distant, who looked down on us, in the midst of our sin, but instead, God, what you do is you sacrifice for us. God, you give something of extreme value, something that's so precious to your son, Jesus Christ, so that we then could be in relationship with you to the living God. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you don't leave us dead in our sin, but instead you offer us an opportunity to be made new in your eyes. God, if there's anybody in this room who hasn't done that yet, would you show them how much you love them and how much you care about them, Father God, so that they would respond in faith today. God, for those of us who maybe have made that decision in our life, but God, we've been kind of going our own way, we've been making it about us, we've been very self-centered and focused on ourselves. God, it's everyone else's, you know, (laughs) fault, whatever it might be, Lord God. Would you begin to help us to understand how prideful that is? And instead, God, would we we respond to your mercy and to your love today? And then would that propel us then to live a life of putting others first? We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.